Father God, for this evening. We thank you, Lord, that in the midst of today, that we can come together tonight and worship you and to seek your face. And Lord, I just ask that you would uh, speak to us tonight through your word. Calm our hearts, calm our minds, Lord Jesus. Prepare our hearts to receive from you. Open up our understandings, O oh God, in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. He's been fighting a bug, and so, um, well, here you are, and here I am. <laughs> so, um, so tonight I entitled that we interrupt this Joshua Bible study for a news break. <laughs> for a news break. Are your lamps burning? Um, it certainly wasn't necessarily where I was going to go. I was actually going to do something about Christmas, because we're almost a month away from Christmas, right? And just get our minds thinking and preparing for Jesus and the highlight and the attention, because Christmas tends to make us busy, and sometimes we could forget the focus of who it's about and, and why we actually do celebrate Christmas. But then things today took a little bit of a turn. So we're looking at Luke chapter 12, verses 35 to 40, and then uh, we're going to jump down to 54 to 56. So let's start reading Luke chapter 12. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him at once when he comes and knocks. Blessed are those servants whom the master finds awake when he comes. Truly, I say to you, he will dress himself for service and have them recline at the table, and he will come and serve them. If he comes in the second watcher and the third and finds them awake, blessed are those servants. But now this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also might be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you, you must also be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Jump down to verse 30, uh, 54 that says, He also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, Mm, there is a scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites. You know how to interpret the appearance of the, ha of the earth and sky, but you do not know how to interpret the present time. So what do you do when crisis hits? What do you do in a moment of crisis? Do you all remember in 1999? <laughs> right? You remember? 1999, December 1999, everybody was panicked because, you know, the computers were not know, going to know how to change the clock, change the date. I remember the week between Christmas and, and New Year's, my mother-in-law was all panic-stricken. She was buying all sorts of water. 
and she was just stockpiling on everything, and, and she says to me, how come you know buy nothing? I says, well, I'm not worried. I says, I'm pretty sure there'll be stuff there. Yeah, my, you see, if it, it, if it happened, then you're not gonna be ready. I says, then I'll just come here, because you're ready. <laughs> what do you do in the time of crisis? What happens when crisis hits? What happened in, May, in, in March 15, 2020? When all of a sudden everybody was put into lockdown, we all went panic-stricken, right? People began to go out, and for whatever reason, everybody ran to the store to buy toilet paper. Why? Beans I can understand, you know, pasta, you know. Toilet paper, every clean, everybody was racing to the store. And if you recall during that time, when you went to the store, there was lineups because only so many can go in and, and, and the masks and all the mandates. And then when you went in, the shelves were empty and the bunkers were empty. Every, everybody in the crisis, they became crazy. They didn't even know what they were buying. Never mind eating, but they had toilet paper. <laughs> never mind, you know, never buy, mind buying some bread and milk. They had hand sanitizer. You know, like in the crisis, people do foolish things. And, but it's a warning, right? Crisis is always a warning that something else is on the horizon, something else is brewing. And today we had that incident on the Rainbow Bridge. At first it came, oh, there's been an explosion. In moments, that explosion became, oh, there's been a bomb, there's a threat, the terrorists have attacked. Everything makes sense, it lines up. It's an American holiday tomorrow, the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, on, come Friday, I'm sure they'll do their, what is it, Macy's Parade. Um, and so all these people would have been gathering. It makes sense for them to be on heightened alert. And even myself, I was like, oh my gosh, I messaged my daughter as if she wouldn't have known. She's at work, right? And being an officer, she would have known. So I'm like, Elisha, there's been a bomb threat on the Rainbow Bridge. When crisis happens, we respond. We, we take these actions. And, and um, you know what? That, that, that explosion became a bomb and became now an explosion again. And the reason being is because the New York officials, whoever the individual is, I don't recall, has decided to say that they're determining it was an explosion so that people won't get anxious. But it's inconclusive. So there's sufficient to... They're saying enough to maybe put your nerves at, at, at a calm... But, but, it's inconclusive. They're still doing their investigations. That's all I need to hear. It's inconclusive. Never mind you telling me, well, we think it's just an explosion, so calm down, relax. Just say the word inconclusive. And I'm like, hmm. Here's the thing. It's a warning. It's a warning. It's a warning for us to be aware that there, everything is lining up. Everything is lining up that we do have to be ready. We don't know the hour of the day in which our Lord will return, but we know this. He said he is coming. 
He said he is coming. I remember during COVID uh, when our young adults were doing our Bible studies online and I said, guys, you got to get ready because the Lord is coming. You want to know the number one answer that was reiterated. Pastor Melody, don't say that. Some of us want to get married first. Some of us, it, it's okay for you to say that. You're married, you have kids, but some of us want to get married and have kids first. The important things in life, but the, the Bible says that we need to be ready. Jesus said today in our passage, stay dressed for action. Stay dressed for action. Be ready. Why? Because he is coming. And you know what is interesting? In the beginning of this, uh, in, in, in front of this passage, he goes like this. Just a few verses up in verse 22. Therefore, I tell you, don't be anxious about your life. But a few moments later, he says, stay dressed for action. Don't be anxious about your life, but stay dressed for action. Get ready because you do not keep your lamps burning and be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast. It's easy to be caught up in the world events. It's easy to get anxious. It's easy to, to be worried. But the Lord wants us to be ready more than worried, right? And so here's the thing. If your kids are out, what's the first thing that you will do when you go up to bed? Now, I didn't say go to sleep because when the kids are out, the parents don't go to sleep. They might go to bed, but they don't go to sleep. What's the first thing that you do? You put the light on. You put the porch light on. Why? It's letting your kids know you're ready for them. You're waiting for them to arrive home. When they get home, the light is on. The light is on indicates that somebody is waiting. Somebody is waiting for somebody to arrive. And Jesus says, get your lamps ready and be, let them be burning. And in other words, don't just have them there, but have them turned on. Have the lamps burning and ready because we are wanting to be ready for when the master comes. Keep watch. Watch with expectation expectation because he could return at any time because he said I am coming soon right he is coming soon it's not like when my kids say when I say come over come it's dinner time I'm coming I'm coming is any time today I'm coming I, I, and I could call one two three times they might they must not be hungry I'm coming but when Jesus says he's coming, he is coming, and yes, the time is unknown to us. It could be at any moment, but he is going to return, and he wants us to be ready. So he says, therefore, be prepared, stay dressed for action, keep your lamps burning, and what? Be like men who are waiting for their master to come home from the wedding feast so that they may open the door to him and at once when he comes and knocks. So when the master comes home, not only are we dressed and ready, but we are also awake. Some people might say, oh, but that's okay. I'm saved as long as I'm saved and I'm baptized, I'm ready. No, we have to be ready as in we are on our watch. 
right? Some people just think, oh, well, dear Jesus, come into my heart. Um, the, the bomb threat happened today. How many people just quickly uttered a prayer just in case? Just in case, maybe this is the time that, that, the, that the end will, will mark the coming of God, right? But Jesus says, he throws in a curveball. He says, those who are found ready and awake are blessed. What makes them blessed? What makes it going to be ready? He says, blessed are those servants whose master, when he comes, will find them watching. Verse 37, assuredly I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat and will come and serve them. The New Living Translation says this, the servants who are ready and waiting for his return will be rewarded. I tell you the truth, he himself will seat them, set them, put on an apron and serve them as they sit to eat. Right here we have a beautiful picture of what Jesus did at the Last Supper, right? When he sat with his disciples, he prepared himself, he took his, his tunic and he tied it around his waist and he prepared and washed their feet, right? And so here he's saying the reward for those that are watching and waiting for him to come is one that's going to, is that he is going to wash them, he's going to serve them. I, I, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm mingling the two verses together. He is going to serve them the meal. He is going to take the position of a servant, not as the king, he is taking the position of a servant that is going to serve them and demonstrate to them the position that, hey, you know what? I am not one that is over you. I am now one that is equal with you. I'm the master. I'm, I'm no longer seeing you as my servants. I'm seeing you as my friends. And so Jesus is wanting us to be aware be ready because those who are ready, those who are ready for my return, I am going to be the one that will come and serve you. And Mark 10, 45 says it this way, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. So he demonstrates to us how we are to be ready for him. Ready in that we're not expecting, not expecting him the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to be served. He came to empty himself of who he was so that he could serve us. So another time where, to, where we see him girding up, as I said, is John 13, verses 4 to 5. He rose from the supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking the, tile, the towel, tied it around his waist, then he poured water into the basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He laid aside his garments. Why? Because when he comes, he wants to be, come, he wants to be seen as that one that will serve his people. He will wash their feet. He will serve their meal. Are we ready for the Lord to come? Are we ready to... Um, are we ready with our lamps burning? I'm sorry, I just got distracted for a little bit, and so I just need to call my mind into place. So let's go to verse 38 and 40. It says this, If he comes in the second watch or in the third and finds them awake, 
Blessed are those servants, but know this, that if the master of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour that you don't expect it. We do not know when the Lord is coming. We look at Revelations chapter 3, verses 20 to 22. What happens there? It says that, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and anyone who hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and sup with him. Right? This is what the Lord is saying. And he goes, To the one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne, as also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. And he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the church. So when we read this verse, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him. And right away, we always assume that this is to do with salvation. This is to do with the Lord standing at the door of your heart tonight. And he's saying, if you would let me in, if you would welcome me in. And we think it's for the unbeliever. We think that this verse is speaking to the unbeliever. But if you go to the beginning of Revelations chapter 23, or Revelations chapter 3, he's addressing the Laodiceans. And what is he addressing about the Laodiceans? He says, that I have this against you, that you are lukewarm. Turn to it for a moment. You are lukewarm, okay? Oh. Okay, verse uh, 14 and onward. And to the angel of the church in Laodicea write, the words of the amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works, you are neither cold nor hot. Would that you be either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot or cold, I will spit you out from my mouth. For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I have needed nothing to re not realizing that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may be rich in white garments so that you may clothe yourselves and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and the salve to anoint your eyes so that you may see. To those who I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. And then he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. He's not speaking to a group of unbelievers. He's speaking to believers. So we've used this scripture in context of knocking on the, the Savior's knocking on your heart today. Would you say, come in, Lord? And, and we encourage people to receive the Lord as their Savior. But in the passage, he's actually speaking to believers who claim to be believers, but right now they're in this neither cold nor hot state. They're in a lukewarm state. He was dressing this area. Why? Because they were comfortable. They lived comfortable lives, the Laodiceans. Their finances, it wasn't a problem. It wasn't a concern for them. If they had need of something, they could provide for it. If, if um, a matter of fact, when earthquake destroyed them, in uh, 60 AD, they refused help from the Roman government, saying, you know what, we could pay for this. We could rebuild the city. Don't worry, we don't need their, your help. They were caught up in being aware that, you know what, 
we're self-sufficient. We could supply for ourselves. And that's the world today. We're not on the watch looking for Jesus. We're not ready, Lord, is this the day that you're going to return? When we see the markings that is happening in the world, we're, we'd rather dismiss it. We'd rather say, no, no, it can't be time yet that the Lord is coming. No, well, you know, I, I don't, it's, you know, after all, this hasn't happened and that hasn't happened. And we always run to what hasn't happened yet. But in a moment, in a moment, the Lord can pro, uh, fulfill all of his prophecy. So these Laodiceans are a picture of us in the world today. We're self-sufficient. Oh, I could, I could make this men's meet. I, I, don't worry about us. We're comfortable. We're comfortable. We're, we're living comfortable lives. But that self-sufficient attitude that they had in Laodicea built into the church that they thought they have it all, had, to, had it all together. And Jesus says, no, you need to wake up. You need to wake up. I'd rather you be either cold or hot, but lukewarm is not where I want you to be. Would that you be either cold or hot. Because you are lukewarm, because you are neither hot or cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And that's a concerning thing when you hear Jesus say, I will spit you out of my mouth. Hot water, hot water does what? Isn't it nice at the end of the day to sit in a, in a warm, hot bath? It's relaxing, it's soothing, it's warm. Cool, what, what would a cool bath be? It could be refreshing. If you have, a, if you have sore muscles if you, and you put a nice compact on it, it's going to decrease the inflammation. But the Lord is saying, I don't want you to be lukewarm, one or the other, otherwise I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. Lukewarm had them in that neutral place. They weren't waiting for the Lord's return. They, they were either way, push us whichever direction you want to push us. It's like a car that's in neutral. All you need is somebody to get in, in behind the wheel and somebody to push it, and it's going to go the direction that you want it to go. But the Lord wants us to be dressed and standing alert, as our passage said to us in, in Luke chapter 12. Be ready, stand alert, stand watch. Why? So that when the time comes that the Lord should return, that you are ready. Stay dressed for action. Keep your lamps burning. And that's what I'm asking. Are your lamps burning tonight? I know this is not your Joshua series, and I know that this isn't something that is continuing from where we left off tonight, but I'm hoping that in a crisis moment of today, that in the, in the check of your heart, in the introspection of your heart, is your lamp burning? Being in church is not an indication of whether or not your lamp is burning. Are you ready for the Lord to return if he were to return tonight? See, if your lamp is burning, what happens is it, it, it draws attention to the fact that you are burning for who? You are burning for Christ. If your lamp is burning, if there's a flame, what's the first thing that you see? Pardon? You're going to see the glow of the flame. You're going to see the burning of the flame. So if your lamps are burning, it's going to draw attention to that, right? So are you ready? Are you drawing others to Christ? 
You know, when you make your bed in the morning and you're praying, you're praying over this, the spot that either you're, you're, you have laid or your husband has laid or your children have laid, are you praying, Lord, that we would be ready for the day that you come? The other day I was making my bed and I was thinking of family members, extended family members that aren't saved. And I said, Lord, save them. All of a sudden they just came before my mind as I was pulling the sheets up. I said, Lord, save them. Get them out of the mess that they're in. Get them out of the lifestyle that they're living. Save their lives. Why? We, we want to be ever ready for the return of the Lord. Not just coming to church and enjoying a great service not, and hearing our favorite song and putting it on repeat in the car or putting it on repeat at the house, going around the house, hallelujah, but when we leave the house, our lamp isn't burning and it's not drawing others to Christ. We have to be careful that we're not like the Laodiceans, that our eyes are shut to the events that are happening around us. Prophecies unfolding before our eyes, still walking around saying, well, it's okay. People have been talking about the rapture for years. Probably won't happen for another few years yet. There are people that walk around in that, that perspective. In the self-confidence, well, it hasn't happened yet. We've got time. And it could happen any moment. It could happen before the, the, the month is open, over, when we see the signs of our time being fulfilled and yet still deny the hour is at hand. It's any moment. Then we're blind like the Jews when they would not accept that the Christ was before them. There he was, the fulfillment of the prophecy. There the Messiah was before them, and they didn't accept that he was the Christ. And when we look at the times and the fulfillment of prophecies before us, and we don't accept that the time of the Lord's return is closer than it's ever been, that we're on the very precipice of his return, of the rapture of the church, we are as blind as those Jews that would not accept their Messiah, standing before them speaking to them the very word of God. Revelations 3 verse 3 says, Remember then that you received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. You won't know. He will come like a thief. And that's why he forewarned them in the passage, don't be as a man who has left his door unlocked and unprepared because then the thief will come in. But you know this, that if the master of the house had known, verse 39, at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. And Jesus in Revelations says, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. So are you ready, and is your lamp burning? Are those that are around you ready? Jesus, later on in the same passage of Luke chapter 12, goes on to say the interpreting of the times. He said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the, in the west, verse 54 to 56, and you say at once, at once a shower is coming, and so it happens, and when you see the south wind wind blowing you say there's a scorching heat and it happens you hypocrites you know how to interpret the appearance of the sky 
the earth, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? Jesus rebuked them. They were able to look out and determine. It's like us today. We can look out and know it's going to rain. Why? It's cloudy over. It's a gray sky. Today it's going to be a cool day. Why? When we woke up, there's, there's frost on the windows. Right? You, walk, you see the kids walking to school, and as they're walking and talking to each other, you see the, the frost coming out of their mouth. Right? And so you know that it's cold outside. We could determine. And yet when we read the word of God, and yet when we hear the news of things that are happening in our world, we don't take it as a warning. We can dress properly for the weather that is outside, but we don't dress ourselves spiritually for the warning that is at hand. It's not making a crisis of a bomb on the Rainbow Bridge. It's not trying to make a bigger than story out of it all. It's trying, it, it, what I'm wanting to do is make us aware that that could very well have been a terrorist attack. And it may at the end of the day prove to be that. And all what we need to do is, are we ready? Can we take an introspection of our lives and say, am I ready, Lord? And what about those that are around me? What about those that are in my household? Are they ready? Maybe there's somebody that you need to be praying for at the reminder of something like this. Maybe there's somebody that you need to share with the word of God, the truth. The... You see, if we were to take something like this as a forecast warning, let's pretend that was a terrorist attack right here in North America. And let's pretend that it came with an announcement that the Lord's return was coming at this time. Then what action would you take? Would you pick up your phone? I know, th I, I'm, I'm saying if the Bible says we do not know the hour or the time in which he's going to come. The Bible says, and we have read it clearly, that he's going to come like a thief in the night. But if we were to receive an announcement, if the Bible did not say that and we were to receive an announcement that the Lord is coming at this time, what would you do to be ready? To make sure all those in whom you love were ready. What would you do? Would you pick up your phone perchance and call somebody and tell them, you know, I received news that the Lord is coming. No? Yeah. Would you pray? Would you say, Lord, show me who of my family is not yet believing? What action would you take? The concern is this. Pardon? You can go on your knees to pray, absolutely, but you want to be able to share, right? You see, the things we, we take for granted that we don't know when he's coming. And so because we don't know when he's coming, we don't have that urgency of heart. And so the lamp isn't burning. The lamp is just the lamp. 
If it was burning, there would be a passion that is driving us to say, you know what, let's pretend, Grace, you were my family member. Grace, you need to know the Lord. The Lord is coming. The Lord is going to return. This is the date. This is the hour. If we were to take the times as though we know it's happening on this date, and and because that date is narrowing in, then we should have the same type of passion in sharing with our loved ones and in sharing with our neighbors as we do even though we don't know the date. Does that make any sort of sense to you? We have to have the same passion. That's why he says, have your lamps burning. Stay dressed for action and keep your lamps burning. Don't get like the Laodiceans. Well, he hasn't come yet and you lay back and you relax. No, stay dressed. Keep your lamps burning. What good is is the military if they're on the front lines, but they're sitting there with their feet up and their legs crossed? And in front of them, there's a quiet. So they're like, well, they're not bombing today. And so we'll just lay low. Well, they're not shooting their artillery warfare today, so we'll just lay low. Is that the type of army that you want on your front lines? They're not ready to fight. They're not ready to take action when action is needed. And this is how the Lord would want us to be, that we are his army and we're ready to take action. Our lamps are burning. I'm ready to share the gospel. I'm ready to fight for the truth that needs to be shared. So Jesus rebuked the people. He says, you do not know how to discern the times. You should be understanding more. You should have better discernment. He spoke to them in a manner in which they would understand. He knew that they would understand that that when the clouds formed over the Mediterranean Sea, that rain was going to be on on its way because they understood the area in which they lived, right? He spoke to them as though when the warm wind blows what from the Arabian desert, that they knew that there would be hot, scorching weather. Why? Because they knew the region where they lived. When I was young and I went to Jamaica this one summer, (laughs) so, um, you know, I got really badly sunburned really badly sunburned, like my skin was burgundy type of thing, like welts, right? And so um, the Jamaicans had given me some uh, aloe vera to put on, and and they said to me, just sit in the shade. I says, but I came to Jamaica to get a tan. You'll get tanned. You You could sit in the shade, and you'll still get tanned. I said to myself, how is that even possible? These guys don't even know. No, they do know. They do know. They knew of their son. They knew of the te- their son. It's all the same son. But you understand what I mean? They knew of their region. They knew that you could get tanned just in being in that area. And here was me thinking and presuming that I knew better. Because here, what do we do in North America? We lay, we butter ourselves up and lay in the sun because we, we want to get a, a, a suntan 
Jesus addressed them in the knowledge of understanding. They knew their area. They knew what rain looked like. They knew what, what the wind blew, but yet they did not know how to interpret to be ready because he was going to return. You, can't, you could read all of this, but you can't read the present times that is pointing to my return. Remember the ten virgins in Matthew chapter 25? Matthew chapter 25, verses 1 to 13. Here are these ten virgins. What do we see about them? They had their, there was five of them that were ready and five of them that were not ready. And, and here it goes. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to, the, to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with them. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight, there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom, come out and meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go gather to the dealers and buy for yourselves. Remember, if you had been ready, you would not have left your house unlocked. And so here in this passage, it says, So go to the dealers and buy for yourself. They, they were going to leave their, their doors unlocked. And while they were going to buy, the, broom, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. And afterwards, the other virgins came, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. They all had lamps. All ten of them had lamps. Five of them had oil. Five of them didn't have any oil. Of those ten, it says here that... Um, but the white, okay, and the bridegroom was delayed and they all became drowsy and slept. So all 10 of them have lamps and all 10 of them fell asleep. But when the bridegroom came, only five were ready when the bridegroom came, right? Here it goes. At verse 5, as the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept, but at midnight there was a cry. Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, give us some of your oil. You see, the wise took the oil with them. The wise ones grabbed their lamps and the oil to go meet the, the bridegroom. They were ready. That's being dressed and with your lamp burning, right? But the others just had their lamps. Just had their lamps. In what state are you in tonight? Are you with your lamp and the oil? Or are you with just your lamp? Are you with just your lamp 
or are you with your lamp and your oil? What is the purpose of the oil? They, they all took the same lamps, but they had, oh, only five of them were ready with the oil. What's the purpose of the oil? Oil, oil lubricates, oil warms, it heats, it, it gives us, um, it prepares us, it, heat, it, uh, it lights Right? So when it was put into the lamp, it would cause the lamps to burn and, and, and cause the la- uh, light to go forward from it. it. It invigorates. If you were to do a massage and you had some oil on it, it allows for that area to, to receive the, um, the healing properties of that oil. It adorns us. In those days, they used an oil as a, as a form of perfume. These, there are many uses of oils, but in this p- particular p- picture, it's asking us to be ready with the oil that it would burn. Why? So that the lamp could be burning to show what? Who did they believe in? Right? They, they believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8 and 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. When we receive Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, what happens to us? Pardon? The Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us. Okay, I'm not talking about the Holy Spirit, the impartation of the Holy Spirit, as in the speaking of tongues. I'm talking about when we become born again and we ask Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell in us because the Holy Spirit is the one who convicts and convinces us of our sin. The Holy Spirit is a representation of the, of the oil. There were those that had their lamps ready, they had the, the oil of the Holy Spirit, but there were those that did not have their lamps ready. And the comparison is, is that Jesus is wanting to make a difference between those that believed and knew Jesus and that were spirit-filled and um, those that, that were not ready that had not believed. So there's those that did believe and were and believed in Jesus and were filled with his spirit and there were those that maybe we could say knew of Jesus but were not born again. The comparison here is that Jesus is wanting to make the difference between the believer who knew Jesus and those who did not know Jesus. Behold, the bridegroom will come and many will not be ready. Why? Because First Thessalonians says this, 4.13. But we do not want you to be uninformed, brothers, about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others who do not have hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, verse 14, even so through Jesus, God will bring him those who have fallen asleep. Verse 15, for this we declare to you by the word from the Lord that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry 
of command with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God and the dead in Christ will rise, then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. And so what, what is being said here? That he is coming. We don't want you to be uninformed, brothers, as those who are asleep. There they were. They were. There was 10 of them. They had all fallen asleep, but only five of the 10 were ready when the announcement came. We're all in this room, and we're all ones who have know, heard the gospel. We are all ones who have, the, the gospel has been preached. We have all heard it declared, but in this room, can all of us say that we have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, our lamps are ready, our lamps are ready with the oil, and that when the trump shall sound that we will be ready, or will we be found asleep? Will, be, will we be found ready? Or will we be found asleep? Will we be found without the oil? Or we, will we be found as those that are saying, give us some of your oil? Because sometimes we walk around with the confidence, well, I, I went to church all week. I went to church this week. I went to church three times. Uh, you know, well... But where is your relationship with the Lord? Are you dressed and ready? Are you sharing your, your, your testimony with others that they may believe? Are you going forth and, and allowing others to receive the gospel that you so freely received? Are you sharing the truth that Jesus is coming again? Are you sharing the truth that Jesus came that we might have life? We're heading into the Christmas season, and though the truth of the matter is that Jesus wasn't actually born December 25th, we, that's the, the, the sign that Western civilization has given to celebrate it, but are we sharing the truth that Jesus came to give us a free gift of salvation. And will we be ready? Will our families be ready? Will our friends be ready? Or will it happen like this? One time when I was in high school, I had a friend. And, and she sat behind me in accounting class. And she tapped me on the shoulder right in the middle of class. And she said to me, Melody, um, if I were to die today, this is exactly how she opens a conversation. No other pre-warning. We, we had not been talking about this. Just randomly taps me. Melody, if I were to die today in a car accident, what would happen to me? Just straight up, just straight up that question. And I just kind of sat there a little bit startled because we had not talked anything about God. And it's kind of, it, it was kind of like, like, why are you asking me? What makes you ask me? Right? I didn't say that, but my head is thinking, what is bringing this question upon her to, to ask me like this? And so I says, well, Mina, and the teacher's up there teaching. I says, well, Mina, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and you were to die in an accident, then you immediately would go into the presence of the Lord. Your soul would be immediately in his presence. And she slapped me on the shoulder. I says, 
like I was just startled. I says, what? She says, why didn't you tell me? I says, pardon? Why didn't you tell me? I says, I just did. You asked me. Why didn't you tell me before? I never thought of it before. She was the girl that sat behind me. She was another Italian girl. We said hi. That was it. Once in a while en route to class, we'd walk beside each other. So how are you doing? That, that's it. We, we, it's not that we had a, a, a close friendship. But somehow she knew, I guess, that I was a Christian. And so from that time after, I began to share a little more with her. Then my father went to... Um, their home because her parents spoke Italian and so he shared the gospel with them. She's still a believer today. But I'm telling you that woke me up. That woke me up because I did a lot of things to, to demonstrate to my peers at, at high school that I was a believer, but I didn't go around preaching during class time <clears throat> One thing I was guilty of doing was I was a part of the Christian, uh, they called it the, the Interschool Christian Fellowship Club. And so uh, once a week at lunch hour, we would meet. And during that lunch hour, uh, we, we would have like a service or a Bible study or devotion, what have you. And so when I first got to this school, because I had come from a Christian school, I felt like I was in a foreign land. All of a sudden, I went from a Christian high school where I knew everybody, and, and um, because the, the registration wasn't up that year, they, they decided to close the Christian high school. So I went from knowing everybody in my high school. What, what were we that year before we closed? I think we were 35 or 40 students. To a school of over 1,200 students, I didn't know anybody. So I sought to find out I heard that there was a Christian group, so I thought, oh, I'm going to go to this Christian group, thinking there, there, if there's 1,200 students here, this is going to be a big group. I got there, there was only five students. And, and I was devastated, and then I thought, oh my goodness, and I felt like I was going to die, because that summer I, I had experienced the Lord in my walk, I had experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and so I felt like I was going to die in the school at that time. There's no believers here. And so during my lunch hour, when, whenever it would be Thursday, the day that we would have our inter-school Christian club, on the way to the, the room where we would meet, I would say to people in the hall, hey, come with me. Hey, come with me. And, and I would invite people to come along. And that group grew from 5 to 40. And we would, we would sing, we would share, and, and the group grew. But this girl woke me up because she says, why didn't you tell me? And it really startled me. And you would be surprised, each of you in this room, that there's somebody in your life that would say the same thing to you. Why didn't you tell me? You see, we think that our family members don't want to know because we feel as though they're tired of hearing us or they give us a look. Oh, they roll their eyes. And so we, we just stop. We think, oh, okay, well, forget it. But there's a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. 
And so we have to be dressed and ready with our lamps burning. I know I could have probably articulated this so much better, but just with the, with the just going in one direction today and then that car thing spun me into another direction, you know, it just stirred me to say, are we ready for the Lord to return? Are our church, are the churches across Christendom ready for the Lord to return? We can quote scriptures, but is our, are our lamps burning that they are so bright that it's drawing people? People aren't interested in how much we can quote. They're interested in, in the glow that radiates from us, what draws them to us. What draws people to you? Have you ever had somebody walk by you that has a very pretty smelling cologne? And you're like... Wow, that is so beautiful. And sometimes you'll even say to the person, excuse me, what, what, what perfume are you wearing? It just smells so pretty. What drew you, the fragrance? Are we being that type of fragrance that people are drawn to us? We haven't spoken a word. We haven't said anything, but they're drawn to us. Drawn to, drawn to the Jesus that, that is just flowing from you. When your lamps are burning, it's going to radiate a glow. It's going to radiate a heat. There's going to be an attraction to it. Not because you went out and you said some fancy, fancy dissertation of the scripture and you gave all the explanation of every dot and every T and every I and you said this is there because of this and you cross-referenced it and you made everything match and line up. They're going to be drawn because you know what? Your lamp exudes a heat. There's a drawing, there's a warmth that comes in knowing Christ, right? They're going to be drawn to you because why? You are, you are glowing with the message of the Lord. Your life tells a story. They, some people, if they're in your neighborhood, perhaps they saw how you once lived, but now you no longer live that way. What is radiating from you? Are you dressed and ready? Are your lamps burning? That's how I took today's explosion on, on, the, on the Rainbow Bridge, whether it's a terrorist thing at the end of the day or not. I just took it as, are we ready? Are we ready? You see, we're comfortable in here because we're, we're all believers. But are we ready? In your apartment building, in your condo complex, do they know the truth? You know, in my, when I was a kid, and I don't know if they still have it, they used to have these signs that you would put in the window, and it would be neighborhood watch. And so if, there was, if, if a child was walking home from school and there was something unsafe happening on the street, they could run to a house that had that sign in the window and they could just walk in unannounced because that was a neighborhood watch. That house was a safe place that that child could go to in the event of danger. Are you somebody safe that people can come to so that they could receive the free message of the gospel so that in the event that the Lord comes, they will be part of that rapture? 
Stay alert. Are your lamps burning? That's what a neighborhood watch is. We don't want you to be as uninformed brothers about those who are asleep that you may not grieve as others who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and through Jesus God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep, for this we declare to you that by the word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. And trust me, I do understand that fallen asleep are those who died and were believers and who have fallen asleep, okay? As in waiting for the Lord's return. And when I referenced those who were asleep, I was not referencing those who were believers and asleep. I was referencing those who were unbelievers, okay? Um, just for clarification. But the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command, with a voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Are you ready to meet the Lord in the air? If the Lord, if the sound of the trumpet were to be declared tonight, or will you be, but Pastor Melody, it's easy for you to say, but some of us just want to get married. Some of us just want to have kids, like the young people said that one time. We've been there. We've been there. I recall as a young person coming home from school one day and expecting somebody to be there and nobody was in the house. Ran in the house and, and I called out to my brother. Nobody, he wasn't there. Called out to my father, my mother. Nobody was there. What do you think I did first? You know? Until we're in a situation that we're afraid, there is a young girl I was afraid that maybe the rapture had, had, had happened. And I got worried, Lord, did you come? And I missed it? I hope that you're burning, that others are desiring the Jesus that you have. And I hope that you are burning in such a way that you are a warning, like that explosion today. It set everybody on red alert said everybody on red alert that they, what, what, is there a terrorist attack on the U.S. Are you a warning to those around that Jesus is coming? Is your life a lamp that it is warning others that Jesus is coming and that they need to get their lives ready? It's, it's really quiet here, but Father God, I just thank you for tonight. And Lord, though it may be simple and though it may be incomplete in many ways, I pray that, Lord, your word would reside in us to be that lamp that wants to burn, that wants to burn for you passionately, that, Lord, just the glow of the fire draws others to you. Lord, that just the heat of the fire draws others to you. Lord, may we be a church who is dressed, ready, and... and, and um, ready for when your return shall come, but Lord, ready to declare the truth that there's a Jesus that is alive. Lord, I pray that we would be the bride that has oil in her lamp, 
not those that are running in the, in the sound of the trumpet looking for the oil, but Lord, may we have the oil within us forever burning for you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen.